Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Friday, glorious, beautiful, smelly, smelly, well, maybe, depends on how you do your Fridays, it's supposed to be chilly, so we got that going for you, Friday, whatever it is, it's the 23rd of September, it's the second day of fall, yesterday morning, well, this morning, technically, the first summer, the first morning of fall, Quinn comes into my office and says, it doesn't look like fall outside. She's very excited that fall was coming, and then she's like, what does fall look like? Then it's supposed to be rainy and cold, and it was actually supposed to rain, and it did rain earlier or later on. And I said, it's going to rain, but you know, it doesn't doesn't work that way. Like one day, suddenly all the leaves, can you imagine? Here, crap, here comes the first day of fall. And on the first day of fall, like clockwork, right at noon, every leaf on every tree just falls right off. I mean, it would be convenient for people who have to rake. You do it once, done, except for when your jerk neighbor doesn't do theirs and it blows onto your yard. But that's not the way fall works, except in the minds of kids, apparently. God love them. Anyway, action-packed program. We'll get to all of that. But first, let me uh, tell you about the patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast and uh, Derek Hunter com websites where you will get bonus content. A bonus shows uh, one tonight at midnight. It's filthy. It's funny. It's funny and it's filthy. It depends on which one it is more is a matter of your personal taste. So if you like comedy and you don't mind swearing, it's the news talked about the way it should be. The Week in Effin' Review. And uh, check that out. You also get to enter the contest if if uh, the curse show isn't your cup of meat. You get to listen. You get to enter the contest. You get pictures of the kids and things like that that you don't get anywhere else. So it's part of uh, just helping the program, the community. It's a lovely, lovely thing. It's like a big warm hug and a blanket and a cup of coffee or, ugh, or a chocolate chip with little marshmallows floating in it on a cool fall day. Anyway, check it out, please. Five bucks a month is all we ask. And we, I mean me and whichever cat is Simba is crunching in the background into the bowl of food. All right, enough of that. Let's get on with the program. There's a bunch of stuff going on today, as always. My God, these people, they never rest. They never have a sane moment. Did you see the video of the President of the United States yesterday? I don't. He gave a speech somewhere. They trot him out and give him speeches because they they don't give him interviews they don't put him anywhere near where somebody could ask him a question because they've well he, they did that with 60 minutes and even with a softball interview with Scott Pelley they've had to walk back what a half a dozen things they said, well he didn't really mean that war with china no no no, no, no we, we, our policy hasn't changed the pandemic isn't over well, why in the hell is the president running around saying all this stuff if none of it is accurate does anybody on the presidential staff brief the president at all? I, like, I wouldn't blame them if they didn't want to hang out with him. They didn't want to brief him. The guy's handsy and sniffy and wildly inappropriate. You don't want to be around that, especially if you're a female staffer. So you go, uh, all right, we just won't tell the president that there's still a pandemic going on. Or that we, for political purposes, desperately need there to pretend to be a pandemic still going on and all that stuff. No, they just leave him out of the loop. Look, he's just the president. What the hell does he need to be involved in this for? There's no reason to wake him. We can make these decisions on our own. Now, there's your president. 
But there's a video of him at this event where he finishes up his remarks. Thank you, everybody. Blah, blah, blah. And he kind of starts to leave-ish the stage. He's unsure which way he's supposed to go. Now, there's a what I assume is the master of ceremonies, the MC, at the other side of the stage. Not that far away. It's not like a giant football stadium. It's not something the Rolling Stones sort of played on. But uh, on the other side of the stage, there's another guy there. And he starts talking about thanking the president and trying to honor the president. I'd, I'd play it for you, but it's not really, it's a visual thing. And Joe starts kind of shuffling towards stage right and then stops. Unsure, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to stay? What's going on? He's stopping. He turns around and looks. The guy keeps talking. Now, actually, the longer the guy talks, the more appropriate it seems for the president to actually stay. Because it does sound like he's going to acknowledge him personally. Oh, thank you, Mr. President. Or maybe even give him an award. Who knows? But then Joe starts shuffling around again, trying to figure out what he's supposed to do. And then he eventually leaves the stage. Like, the most awkward thing ever. Now, less than a week ago, Joe Biden said, watch me. Just watch me. If you don't think I've got what it takes to do this job, watch me. We're watching, Joe. It's scary as hell watching you because you have no idea what the hell you're going to do. Thank God that there is no actual physical nuclear button that you just push and the things go off because I'm sure he'd think there's a bug and he'd smack it and, and send it off. Meanwhile, you've got the attorney general of the state of New York going after the Trump family, the whole Trump family. Really bizarre things. That, like the best they could do. Years of investigation. Years of investigation. There's no budget limitations in the investigation into Donald Trump by the state of New York. They've had three years of investigations, and the best she could come up with was a civil lawsuit, a civil lawsuit, saying you lied to banks about how rich you were. You lied to banks about how rich you were. You overvalued your property. Everybody overvalues their property, by the way. And also, by the way, he did this to to secure loans. He lied on loan applications. Well, he paid back the loans, though. But, uh, uh, huh, that's weird. Now, if he didn't pay back the loans and declared bankruptcy and pocketed tens of millions of dollars, then you could, and offshore accounts or a bogus foundation, the Trump Foundation, like the Clinton Foundation or whatever charity Barack Obama has, then you'd have a case, I would think. But the best you got is a civil case that he allegedly overvalued his property. That's what it is. He didn't say, I have uh, $200 million in cash in my bank account. He didn't say, I have a uh, half a billion dollars worth of Apple stock or anything like that. He didn't do that. It was about the actual value of the properties he owns. Now, what do you think? If you uh, if somebody asked you what the value of your house was and they were interested in buying it or or a realtor, you, you whatever it was, what's, what's your house worth? What do you think your house is worth? 
How many people think they'd actually just if they're going and going? You know what? I think my house is worth uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and it turns out the house is worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars. How many people you get it, who haven't been thinking about selling it, who haven't been looking into the market in their neighborhood or whatever, would get it right? How many people do you think if it was a half a million dollar house, and they you know worked in real estate so they had a rough idea of what it was worth half a million dollar house they said i don't know it's probably worth two hundred and fifty thousand dollars how many people would err on that side or how many people would go you know it's uh i think i'd probably get six hundred thousand for it probably worth about uh, you know maybe in the open market a half a million but if i throw some paint on it mow the lawn and whatever i get a i get that up to six hundred thousand that's the way most human beings think that's the uh offense essentially that the attorney general of the state of new york has accused donald trump and his children of doing now why would his children know about loans that donald trump is getting even for the trump organization when he's the boss and their employees they of course really wouldn't And so they're being accused in this civil case anyway, just because they want to punish them. This civil case, first, let me just qualify it. I am no attorney, but it sure as hell strikes me as such. If the government wants to come after you, if you tick off a government official and they are unscrupulous, and Letitia James, the attorney general of the state of New York, is an unscrupulous, uh, immoral, unethical lawyer. She campaigned on, I will go after Donald Trump for whatever. I don't know. I don't know what for, but I will go after him because I will get him. For what? Uh, for the stuff, for whatever he did, whatever he might have done. We will look, we will look, we will look. And three years later, this is the best you come up with. That's wildly unethical. But she comes up with this and she charges the kids too. That's kind of a tip off. The kids did it. And this is what government can do. If you, let's just say you went to high school with your uh, state's attorney general and you gave the guy a lot of wedgies, a lot of wedgies over the years. If that person never got over it, you might want to, you know, consider moving. You might want to think about uh, walking on eggshells when it comes to matters of the law because there's nothing stopping that person from launching an investigation into you. Now, most people are ethical. We're not dealing with Letitia Jameses across the country, although there are Letitia Jameses across the country. Now, even if you've done nothing wrong and the kid you used to give wedgies to wants to ruin your life, you know, you know what? I don't like I don't like the way Derek uh, gave me a wedgie back in gym class in ninth grade. I've been holding a grudge ever since. I believe that's why I can't have children, and therefore I am going to go after him. Okay. You know what they can do? They can start investigating me. If you use the Letitia James standard, you can start investigating me. Did I break the law? Did somebody else break the law? Maybe, probably. There are so many laws in this country that it's almost impossible not to break a law. There was a book probably, hell, 15, 20 years ago by now that pointed out how you can, you, you the average American breaks, like commits like three to five felonies, whatever it is, every single day. That's just how it works because so many things have been over-criminalized. It's weird because we're passing more and more laws to criminalize uh, 
sort of non-criminal, certainly non-violent activity. At the same time, the Democrats are scrambling to let violent criminals out of jails as quickly as possible. It's qu- Look, we're going to take your fingerprints, and by the time the ink dries on that, we want you back on the streets. You, all you did was punch an elderly Asian woman in the face and shove her down and break her, her hip, whereas somebody else voted Republican. We've got to clear up some jail space for, for being a conservative in there. That's the way, it's sick to say, but that's what's going on, sadly, in these liberal jurisdictions. But if somebody wanted to ruin your life, they could just launch an investigation into you. Oh, we're going to launch a grand jury. We're going to check out your books. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do the other thing. And every time you do something and every time you have an interaction with them, it's going to cost you money. If at the end of the day there is no pot of gold for the investigating uh, government authority, you don't get a refund on the money that you uh, you spent on lawyers. Not very often. Sometimes if it's like obviously egregious, sometimes the court will say that the state has to pay your legal fees. Not very often. So Letitia James, by charging every one of the Trump children who is, they didn't charge Tiffany too, I guess she's not involved in the business. But by charging Don Jr., Eric, and Ivanka, that's going to cost them a lot of money. This process, a civil case, takes a long time to adjudicate. Even if it's ultimately thrown out, it could take a year or two, which is the the objective, to drag this out as long as humanly possible. And over the course of that year or two, various motions, various hearings, various meetings, we must meet with the attorneys, we want to meet with your attorneys to discuss the case, blah, blah, blah. That is what's called billable hours, baby, billable hours. And those billable hours add up. And you're looking at the imposition of a fine by fiat from the attorney general of the state of New York of hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, on all of the Trump family. For no particular reason other than she doesn't like the Trump family. They're Republicans. Gross. You get, uh, she's in a re-election bid that's closer than it should be in New York, and she's nervous, so she thinks that this stunt is going to help her. It is an abuse of power. It gets paid off in liberal circles, and she'll probably win re-election. But make no mistake about it. If they had found criminal activity, they wouldn't have filed a civil case. If she had found criminal activity, she wouldn't have filed a civil case. And you say, well, Derek, she made criminal referrals to the justice. Yes, yeah, she did. She made, you know what that does? That kicks the can down the road, saying, I believe there's criminal activity. Well, if you believe there's criminal activity, why didn't you charge him with the criminal activity? Why, why didn't you do that? A civil case is different. Well, a civil case, a criminal case could be thrown out pretty quickly. A criminal case, you'd have to put up some some serious evidence right away and you could go to court. The defendant, the accused could go to court pretty quickly and uh, probably get that thrown out if it was bogus. So you can't risk that. You can't risk that. So she says, I believe there's criminal activity. There's your headline, MSNBC and CNN run with a Donald Trump obviously engaged in criminal activity. And you kick the can down the road to somebody else to say, well, they're going to look into it. We get the attorney general of the state of New York. The applications for these loans were all entirely 
happened in New York State that you're going after him for. Or else, if there's a jurisdictional issue, you wouldn't be able to go after him civilly. Why don't you go after him criminally? Well, it needs th- further investigation. Further, Well, the IRS, we have to go send them to the, they've sent uh, referrals to the Justice Department and the Internal Revenue Service. New York State has its own Bureau of Tax Collection. I don't know what it's called up there, but if Donald Trump had committed tax fraud, he would have committed it not only on a federal level, but also on a state level. I believe, again, I'm no lawyer, but it strikes me as when there are matters before the courts of a criminal nature, particularly involving the state being the victim, which they would be if there were tax violations, that the enforcement mechanism would be the chief law enforcement officer of said state, meaning the attorney general of the state of New York. See how that works? It's weird how that works, isn't it? So if there was a tax, so you're saying what, Letitia James, that Donald Trump was criminally negligent and fraudulent on his federal taxes, but when it comes to his state taxes, he followed the letter of the law. Is that what you're saying? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but again, I will say I am not only not a tax attorney, I'm not an attorney in general. So, yeah. What are you going to do? So keep all this in mind because you won't hear much of it. You certainly won't hear of it from these leftists out there because none of it, not a bit of it, helps the liberal narrative. And if I can think of this stuff off the top of my head sitting in front of a microphone, imagine what a team of attorneys who know what the hell they're doing can come up with. Trump's attorneys are going to have a field day with this. The attorney general will be embarrassed, ultimately. But the attorney general won't be embarrassed until after the election, after her election, which is the whole point. You can embarrass her after she wins her election all you want. That's why she's doing this. Okay, in uh, other non-horrible lawyer news, well, actually, he's a horrible lawyer. He's just a horrible human being. Uh, This is a really quick story, but I get a kick out of this. I love it when politicians, out of anger especially, they say who they really are. They show who they really are. Gavin Newsom is in a bid for re-election. It's not a close bid for re-election. He's going to win re-election out in California. The people of California were dumb enough to elect him in the first place. Do you really think they're going to wise up and go, oh, wow, there's a, a massive tons of problems in this state and we're losing hundreds of thousands of people every year and people are fleeing people are fleeing we've got junkies all over the street homeless encampments every- do you really think that snuck up on everybody just wake up and go oh my god what happened to this state it's a, been a long process and they continually vote for it they continually vote for the people causing it i should say so why would they suddenly go this is horrible they'll turn around eventually but it will uh, it will be once it stops getting worse, I think. That's usually how it goes. Is things are going bad, things are going bad, things are going then the slowing down process happens, and then it kind of stays where it is for a bit, and then people go, Oh, we've got to try something different eventually. Not in places like Baltimore or Detroit or Philadelphia or whatever, but in states. Eventually people get sick of not being able to go downtown. 
So uh, they then pull back a little bit. They're not there yet in California. They're still getting worse. And they're getting worse because of Gavin Newsom. So Gavin Newsom is at this event. I think it was a uh, a podcast taping or some sort of liberal conference with Parit Barrara, I think his name is. He was the uh, New York state's attorney or no, the uh, New York federal prosecutor who refused to resign, became a hero because he refused to resign when Donald Trump came into office, even though every uh, federal prosecutor resigns. And if they don't resign, they get fired. Those are your choices. And new every new administration, that's just what happens. But somehow it became a scandal when George W. Bush did it. Did you know he fired all federal prosecutors? You mean like Bill Clinton and literally every Democrat has ever done? Every new administration comes in and fires all political appointees from the previous administration. They may end up keeping a couple of them, but they fire all of them because you're a liberal and it's a conservative administration sort of thing. So when Donald Trump put out the word that, hey, everybody, you got to resign or uh, be fired, Parit said, I will do neither. And he said, well, you're fired. And he began whining and complaining about scandal and cover-up, and they wanted to stop all these investigations that he had going on, and they should have let him stay. Like, you're desperate for a job. But he got a job. He's now a political commentator, and he has a successful podcast with leftists who simply don't know how politics works. It's amazing how much of what the liberal establishment gets away with is expressly due to the fact that their base is wildly ignorant of reality. <laughs> you can see you can see why the uh, education system set up and run by these people is such a massive failure. They're not only do they have power motives and uh, no rational, sane thinking person who has uh, an IQ higher than their belt size would vote for these people. But uh, there's money in it for them as well. Parit is making a good living now off of whining about being treated like everybody else. <laughs> anyway, they're up on stage, California, Gavin Newsom and Parit Barrara. There's somebody else on stage. I don't know who it is. It's irrelevant. She doesn't say anything in this clip. But in this clip, Gavin Newsom, I'd say essentially, but he literally says that Californians are stupid because Parit asks him about, hey, you know, your state's kind of hemorrhaging people. Lots of people getting the hell out of Dodge going to places like California. Now, or I mean, going to places like Texas. Now, according to Gavin Newsom, Texas is just this side of hell. Hell is, of course, Florida. And then in between the two, there's literal hell. Florida is worse. That's who he wants to be is Ron DeSantis, and he's just not bright enough to be it. So he also hates Greg Abbott, too, because people from California are leaving for there. Now, I hope to God they don't vote the same way like locusts. They eat all the locusts, eat all the greenery, and they go, we're hungry, we're starving, there's no food here, let us go. And then they go to someplace else and do the same thing again. It's like, uh, maybe if you maybe if you left some greenery, you just ate little patches of greenery, maybe you didn't gorge yourself, it wouldn't be such a problem. But uh, no, these liberals vote to uh, elect idiots who destroy their area. And then they go, God, this place is destroyed. Let's go someplace else. And they flee to conservative areas and vote 
the same way. Look at New Hampshire, the live free or die state. Thanks to refugees from the surrounding liberal bastions, Massachusetts, Vermont, etc. They now choose to die. They're done with the live free part. They choose to die. And it's like, well, why? Well, because a bunch of idiot leftists moved there from the surrounding states and voted the exact same way for the exact same types of people they just fled because they're stupid. Isn't that a bit harsh? Yeah, but tough love. Sometimes you just got to tell these idiots that they're idiots. It's the only way. Anyway, Gavin Newsom just insults everybody in California. It's wildly amazing to me. This will have zero resonance or repercussions in his reelection bid. If a republic, if Donald Trump in an interview said, well, you know, the people who are supporting me, what do you think about the people who are still uh, showing up at your rallies and everything? Well, they're kind of dumb. That would be all they could talk about. But a liberal calls the liberal base stupid. And everybody in the media goes, shh, you're not supposed to say that part out loud, dude. We'll pretend you didn't, but next time, don't say it. Are more people leaving California for Texas or leaving Texas for California? Well, we lost about 182,000 folks in the last... But how do you explain that against the backdrop of those very remarkable statistics you just cited. Um, many factors, and there's been two deep analysis that drives the number one factor, the, almost, the, the vast majority, almost the entire amount, impacted because of the visa policies in the Trump administration. I mean, our formula for success is getting first-round draft choice around the rest of the world. I mean, we're as dumb as we want to be. This whole damn border debate is made up. It's made up. Where's Congress? Where the hell are they? They haven't done their job. We're as dumb as we want to be. Yeah, we're we're so dumb. Look, we're a dumb state. Most of the people in this state went through the public education system, which uh, me and my party helped destroy. So we've got plenty of idiots. We're used to first-round draft choices from around the country. Yeah, California. People are fleeing California, he says, because they can't get enough uh, H-1B and H-2B visas. or I think it's H-1B visas, the high-skilled workers, allegedly. That's why people are fleeing California. It's not the uh, inflated cost of real estate. It's not the impossibility of being able to build anything new to be able to alleviate that. It's not the obscenely high tax rates. It's not that gas prices are like 2 to $3 higher than any place else on top of rent and, re- and uh, property. Pre- none, of that, none of that has anything to do with it. It's because you can't get enough people to come in and take high-paying jobs? Well, then why are companies moving? It's not like there are separate visas where they're like, you know what, we understand that you're coming and you've got a PhD in computer sciences and blah, blah, blah. You're you're definitely qualified for the high-skilled worker gig here. But says here you're going to take a well-paying, high-paying job in California. No, no, no. We, we will not give you a visa to go to California. We'll give you a visa to go to Texas, a special Texas visa. Those don't exist. You get visas to come into the United States of America. There is no slowdown and there has no been no cut in visas for high-skilled workers. The people who are leaving are Californians the people who, by the way, if you come in on, a, on an H-1B visa, you're for all intents and purposes owned by the company that you work for for a long period of time. It's, a, it's, a, it's high paid 
indentured servitude, I would say. It's not slavery. It's indentured servitude. Where your employer, if you want to raise, if you want this, if you want that, if you get too, uh, too big for your britches or what have you, your employer can hold over your head the concept, the truth, the reality that they could fire you. And upon firing, it is their legal obligation to inform Immigrations and Customs Enforcement that you are, the terms and conditions of your visa are no longer applicable and you can be removed from the country. Which leads to what? Which leads to a bunch of people who are making a good salary to begin with. Don't get me wrong, they were lured here from the other side of the planet, but they want to raise. They wanted this, they wanted that. Now, it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens, and it can happen all the time. These people go, you know what? We're not going to uh, give you a raise. And if you want to quit or if you want to complain or if you're too mouthy or whatever, we can get rid of you. Not only can we fire you, we can get you out of the country. It's weird because those visas that Gavin Newsom is whining about are, in theory, the people we want to attract from around the world and we're giving out plenty of those visas but those are the people that corporate america particularly left-wing corporate america out in the silicon valley alley of uh, area of california are the ones they're like we'll get rid of you we'll we'll throw you out the unskilled workers that are marching across the southern border no skills including no english skills and illiterate in their own languages they uh they don't face such a, a fate. Those same companies will hire them to perform tasks around the building. Well, it's because Americans won't do those jobs. Well, yeah, I could see there's a lot of Americans who would not want to mow a lawn for 10 bucks an hour. I could see that, especially when the welfare state is willing to essentially give them 15 bucks an hour. You make the social safety net into a hammock, and people really like laying in hammocks. But if you make the social safety net a social safety net, which is a temporary help, a cushion, so that you don't splat on the ground, but then to put you on the ground and say, all right, now you've got to go work again, then suddenly if, if there's an expiration date on these welfare programs, then Americans will do those jobs. It's weird how that works because something is better than nothing. Everybody wants more, but something is better than nothing. And if you can't find somebody to do the job for $7.50 an hour, maybe you have to pay 10 bucks an hour. Maybe, you know, Facebook is going to have to open up their wallets a little more. Maybe Twitter is going to have to dig into their billions just a little bit deeper and do that. Now, they are all in favor of allowing the illegal aliens into the country, because why? Because a larger pool of potential employees, legal or otherwise, artificially suppresses wages. Artificially suppresses wages. You get rid of that, and then suddenly not only do you have to pay more to attract Americans to do the job, you have to pay more because there are fewer people in need. If you're competing to hire people who already have a job, if somebody is making $7.50 an hour and you say, hey, I'll give you $7.50 an hour, unless the job involves nonstop research into receiving foot massages or something like that, you're going to have to do a little bit better than I will pay you exactly the same. You're going to have to maybe say, I will pay you 
25% more, 30% more. I'll give you $10 an hour. I'll give you $15 an hour. Because why? Because not only are you competing for those people, but the people who are uh, have other businesses are competing for some of those people. Then what happens? The people who have the best skill set, who are best suited for a job, those ones get the raise. Merit. Those ones get the promotion. Merit. That's what scares the hell out of the left. They do not like the word merit. Merit is a four-letter word, but no, it's a five-letter word. I got a little bit of Joe Biden in me. But they treat it like it's a four-letter word. They just despite, they recoil at the concept that people could earn what they deserve and earn more than they deserve. Just look at the unions. Unions had a, a time and a place in this country, but they outlived their usefulness because they never adapted. They stuck with the, the communism model that everybody gets the same. It doesn't matter. You're a teacher and you are a great teacher. You're the best teacher in the school district in the state. You might even be teacher of the year in the country. You can't get a raise, not any different than what the person who sits around picking their nose and flinging it at kids gets. You've both got tenure. You're both the same. Well, who do you think that incentivizes more? The booger flicker to do better or the teacher of the year to just deflate their tires a little bit and maybe get worse mileage because they have been deflated themselves. That's what liberalism does everywhere it exists and everywhere it touches. It's amazing to me that uh, Gavin Newsom will win. He'll probably win with 70, 60% of the vote at least, unless there's a massive swing that nobody's seeing out in California. I don't even know who he's running against. It doesn't even really matter. You get what you vote for, and the people who would vote against it are fleeing the state. So what incentive does Gavin Newsom have to really give a damn? None. It's actually quite the opposite. Moving on from there, we'll talk about, uh, let's see, where do we, you know what, there was a hearing up on Capitol Hill yesterday. I want to play this this clip between two members, of three members of Congress, actually. Chip Roy chimes in here, too, from Texas, but... Uh, Mondaire Jones, Democrat member of Congress, and Dan Bishop, Republican member of Congress. Democrats are still milking January 6th for all it's worth. January, I'm surprised nobody's found a way to blame January 6th for inflation yet. They've tried to blame Trump for it, but if they could somehow manage to throw in a... And it's also because of January 6th, I'm sure they would absolutely positively do it. I, I get a kick out of the way these people operate. Operate. So during his uh, speech slash line of questioning, Mondaire Jones mentioned that the police officer had been bludgeoned to death on January 6th by the angry mob of Trump supporters, that murderous, ravenous mob of Trump supporters. Which is bizarre because nobody was bludgeoned to death. Original reports the next day were that Brian Sicknick was killed by the angry mob. Remember that? He was, oh, he was beaten to death. He was bludgeoned. Bludgeoned is very specific. It's not being stabbed. It is being, you know, I don't know how to say this without getting super graphic. It's being beaten to death with a, uh, usually with some sort of weapon, some sort of object used as a weapon. 
a hammer. You bludgeon to death somebody with a hammer, beating them repeatedly. And the story was Brian Sicknick was bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher. Remember that? They killed this police officer. Except they didn't. Brian Sicknick actually died of a stroke the next day. The next day, unrelated to it. Natural causes, according to the coroner. The coroner, who had no incentive whatsoever to lie, and actually every incentive to lie, but uh, the, the, it was just a stroke. It happened. It's horrible. Sometimes in life, coincidences do happen. And so the left has been counting Brian Sicknick as a murder victim of January 6th. They don't count... Uh, they don't count any of the Trump supporters who are beaten as being beaten. They don't t- count Ashley Babbitt as a murder victim, unarmed. They don't count that. It's weird. But Brian Sicknick died the next day of a stroke, and that's a murder victim. Somebody commits suicide. A Capitol Hill police officer commits suicide a month later. That's somehow a murder victim in the eyes of of the left. Somebody accused of a horrible crime against humanity uh, by the left and facing years prison sentence, years and years of a prison sentence, they commit suicide. And it's not even a newsworthy story to the left. It's mission accomplished. Good job. Now, uh, you know, 76 million more people we wish would commit suicide. Let's get to work on that. But a cop with all sorts of problems, people don't commit suicide because otherwise I'm a really good person, but I had a really bad day at work. Actually, I had a really bad three and a half hours at work, and uh, now I'm going to kill myself. That's not the way it works. Even the police officers' families are going, that's not what happened. But it doesn't matter. The left doesn't care. They'll use you when you're convenient and forget you when you're not. Anyway, Mondaire Jones said this. And so Dan Bishop says, who is bludgeoned to death? Where do you get your information from? Mondaire Jones has no answer. Now, either he's wildly ignorant, which is incredibly possible, because I suspect that a vast majority of Democrats are wildly ignorant on this issue. They they believe the hype. If you watch left-wing press, they still talk about the people who were violently murdered on that day, the president of the United States has said that they murdered police officers on that day. Nothing could be further from the truth. They killed police officers. Nothing could be further from the truth. But that's just how Democrats roll. But listen to this exchange because it tells you the the extent to which that ignorance is, exists on the left and just how thoroughly it is embraced. And then when Mondaire Jones realizes that he's either been caught or misinformed he does what liberals always do he picks up the goalposts and moves them i wasn't listening we were conversing a bit but did i hear and i think did you say that that a police officer was bludgeoned to death by the crowd at the january 6 riots i said a police officer was bludgeoned to death i did not say at the hands of whom mr bishop just who are you referring to if you don't mind saying and get that information for you in a few minutes. Well, I, I just want to make sure because are you, I, are you, are were, you denying that Capitol poli- that at least one Capitol police officer was was murdered in the in the midst of what happened on January sixth? Yeah, I, I think I am denying. I mean, here's what I, I understood that there were reports early on that that Sicknick was struck with a fire extinguisher, and that subsequently was debunked as false. He died of natural causes that were not connected to the event. Are we talking about the same person, Sicknick, or are we talking about somebody else? Seriously, I mean, that's, that's, it's a genuine question because yeah, the, no, the medical I, examiner 
the U.S. Capitol Police put out a report agreeing with the medical examiner finding the U.S. CP officer Brian Civic died Mr. in Mr. Bishop, well, just a, a, in a, an initial thought, and, and I know um, that Mr. Roy, you two are an attorney. Uh, Mr. Bishop speaks often about how brilliant of an attorney he is. Uh, you know, we're talking about but for causation of Officer Sicknick's death. And so I, I would hope that you would at least concede at a minimum that Mr. Sicknick died as a result of what happened on January 6th. And, and I'm disappointed if you would suggest otherwise, sir. Well, I, 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 was he, I mean, look, I, I don't think that's correct either, but just was he bludgeoned to death? Is that because I think Ms. Demings was even looking at, we were so devoche between me and her saying he was. I'm, I'm sincere as, as I can be. My understanding is that that was debunked, and, and Mr. Roy just read the medical examiner's information. Do, do you guys contend that he was bludgeoned to death? I, I contend that 138 Capitol and D.C. police officers were injured and that multiple Capitol police officers died wait, wait, as a direct just, result of what happened on January 6th. And I hope that you— It's your time. Under, you don't have to answer. I, 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 hope, I, hope, I hope you can, you can see how one would question the sincerity of, of, of such a minute— point in the midst of the gravity of everything else the gentleman yield <laughs> there's nothing he's got nothing well uh, uh, you trying to say look uh, it doesn't really matter there's violence well, violence is a lot different than somebody being bludgeoned to death okay violence is a lot different than somebody being bludgeoned to death i'm curious it, it, now you can decide for yourselves stupid or liar or ignorant or liar Stupid uh, gives people too much credit. Ignorant is a, a deliberate state, usually by choice. You have a staff designed to tell you these things. You're going into a hearing uh, where you're going to bring up January the 6th and violence, and uh, the staff prepares your remarks or at least your notes. You should, somebody should say, you know what? Nobody was bludgeoned to death. Somebody should know that. So uh, you... You set out the attitude of your staff. You you set the example of what you want for your staff. And if they don't believe that you want to know the truth, if your political wishes don't conform with the truth, then there's not going to be somebody coming in and correcting you. They're not. Especially when you got the president of the United States. Listen to this. Joe Biden's campaign put out a video. The... Uh, yesterday now it's really weird it's an internet video there is no time limit whatsoever you can ramble on in internet videos for as long as you possibly want yet this is exactly 30 seconds now if you're going to do a television commercial you need something that's exactly 30 seconds or exactly one minute or what have you but um if it's an internet video it can be as long as you want But Joe was apparently told by somebody on staff, dude, you got to go as quickly as humanly possible. You've got to get all this copy in in 30 seconds because he's hard to understand, particularly at the beginning. It's so bad, in fact, that even the video, he gets through it in one take. So he got that going for him. But he he speaks so quickly in his uh, medicine-induced slur at the start that he, he he needs to be subtitled and he is subtitled you can maybe make it out what he says at the beginning isn't particularly relevant but uh, listen to this guy put up this is an official campaign video from the biden team 
attacking MAGA supporters. I'm here at a Democratic rally. We're making real progress. We passed the Inflation Reduction Act to bring down costs, the bipartisan infrastructure law to rebuild America, the American Rescue Plan to bring our economy back, and so much more. But the extreme MAGA Republicans want to take it all back. You know, they're talking about cutting Social Security and Medicare, banning abortion access across the country. We need to elect Democrats this November and fight back and keep moving forward for the American people. So join us. We need you. Please join us. We need us. We need us. We need you. Those MAGA Republicans are just monsters. Their MAGA Republicans are just monsters. Huh. Really? So you can see when you've got somebody setting the tone like that as the standard bearer of your party. Why uh, maybe you're not all that interested in the truth. I tell you, I'm sitting here and I'm looking up to pull up this right version of the story, the latest version of the story to show you what Joe Biden has inspired. Make no mistake, Joe Biden and Democrats inspired this. I went to Google. I... uh, Put in killed because Republican. Figured that would be enough to get. There's nothing. Actually, there's Joe Biden's statement and there's all sorts of garbage about how evil Republicans are. It's weird. But you go to Bing and you put in uh, killed because Republican and you get a different version of the story. Let's see. Now, here's what Joe Biden inspired. Here is what. The uh, ignorance of Congressman Mondaire Jones inspired. New York Post, North Dakota man. By the way, this has not been mentioned on any of the left-wing outlets at all. Don't care. Sarah Palin put crosshairs on a map on a sub-website that nobody's ever been to, and that's why Gabby Giffords got shot. That That was the reason for it. But a guy listening to, again, it's James Hodgkinson all over again. Guy listening to the left goes and kills somebody he accuses or believes is a Republican, and it doesn't matter. A North Dakota man charged with killing a teenager using his vehicle has reportedly admitted to intentionally hitting him after a political dispute, claiming the boy was part of a Republican, quote, extremist group. Shannon Brandt, 41, killed 18-year-old Kaylor Ellingson, Early Sunday in McHenry with an SUV in an alley, KVRRTV reported. He is charged with vehicular homicide and leaving the scene of a deadly accident. Vehicular homicide doesn't, I don't know, I don't know what that, it seems like second degree murder at a minimum. Uh, Brandt reportedly called 911 to report the crash. Authorities said... Authorities said he was allegedly drunk at the time. Court documents said he told a 911 dispatcher that the teen was part of a Republican extremist group and was calling people to go after him following an unspecified political argument. Ellingson's mother told police her son called her before the crash, asking if she knew Brandt. She said she did, but that he did not believe her son knew him. Brant fled the scene of the incident and was arrested at his home. And there he is, a lovely picture of this drunken murderer. Democrat, obviously, he's part of an extremist group. Well, where would he get the idea that extremists are everywhere among us and are in need of extermination, that they are a big enough threat to the country, so-called extremist, extreme what? That they need to be stamped out. They need to be run over. They need to be stepped on like a cockroach. 
Well, they would get that from Joe Biden's blood red speech outside of Independence Hall. They would get that from every single episode of every single show on MSNBC. They would get that from the filters put on their feeds on social media by Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. That's where you would get that information. There was no murder of police officers on January the 6th, yet there are still members of Congress publicly parroting the idea that there were, and there is a murder because of Democrats, of an 18-year-old boy that doesn't even rate a mention in any story whatsoever. Play the game. If the parties were reversed, it's all you'd hear about. There was another hill, uh, Capitol Hill uh, hearing yesterday. It was uh, something to behold. My God, the squad is is so damned ridiculous. It's, it's bizarre how there's there's. You want to know how far? Because you hear this all the time from the left. The Republican Party has moved so far to the right, so far to the right. How? How has the Republican Party moved so far to the right? Well, under Ronald Reagan, the Republican Party was the pro-life party, and now they are the pro-life party. That is so far to the right. Okay, wait a second. That's no movement at all. Yes, but under Ronald Reagan, the Republican Party was in favor of a strong national defense, a strong military. They were very much anti-authoritarian and anti-communist. And now... They are uh, very pro-military and very anti-authoritarian and anti-communist. You see the the difference there. They just slid and so slid so far to the right, and you're like going, "I don't." It does not commute. Yes, but you don't understand. Pay attention to me. I'll lay it out to you one more time, good sir. Under Ronald Reagan, the Republican Party was opposed to government takeover of industries and things such as health care. You see, they did not want socialized medicine under Ronald Reagan, whereas now the Republican Party does not want the federal government to take over health care and bring in socialized medicine. Now, if you don't see that as moving extremely far to the right, then I don't know what to tell you. See, because it's not. It's not the Republican Party that has changed at all. It is the Democratic Party. I've used this analogy before, but it's it's very fitting. If two people are sitting on a long bench right next to each other, one on the right, one on the left, and the one on the left gets up and slides all the way down to the end, the distance between the two has definitely changed, but only one of them has moved. Only one of them has moved. It's a matter of perspective. To the leftist, who is just sitting right next to the the rightist, it seems as though the person on the right has moved far, far away, not acknowledging the idea that they were the ones who moved, not acknowledging the reality that they were the ones who'd gotten up and ran all the way to the left. And they say, look at them. They're so extreme. They are nowhere near where we were before. And it's like, um, that's not how it works. You moved. No, 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 no. They're extreme. They're so far away from me now. 
That's what they're really saying. They're so far away from me now, but they're framing it because they, they say, you're so far away from me now, then somebody might go, well, yeah, because you got up and ran to the, the end of the bench. You went almost off the end of the world. You can't have that. So you say, you've gone to the extreme. They've moved so far to the right, when in fact they've barely moved if they've moved at all. You can only really play this stupid game that the left plays if you allow them to redefine everything, by the way. I've had this story for a couple of days. I've been looking for a place to uh, to use it. It's from UPI, United Press International, I believe is what they are. They used to be a uh, much more popular wire service for news. Now they're not. Associated Press and Reuters, way miles ahead of UPI, but they used to be like a trifecta of news ones. You can see why. This is written by two people whose names I'm not even going to try to pronounce. There's a lot of consonants and V's and umlauts in their names. But uh, the headline is Georgia, G-I-O-R-G-I-A, just so you know I'm not butchering Georgia. Georgia Maloney, set to become Italy's first far-right leader since Mussolini. Mussolini, of course, having been the father of fascism. Now, what's amazing to me is not that is, is the way that they frame this, the stupid way, the ignorant way that they frame this, that far right is fascism. This is the Democrat talking point. And you, this story was written probably expressly because the editors said, look, Joe Biden's claim of uh, semi-fascism needs some backup. Let's incorporate fascism as much as we can in our coverage now to give Joe Biden backup. Says, in the autumn of 1922, Benito Mussolini, the ambitious and charismatic founder of the fascist party, became Italy's youngest prime minister, seizing power in a march on Rome that ushered in a dark period of totalitarian rule. A century on... Italy looks set to get its first far-right leader since Mussolini's body was strung up for all to see at the end of World War II. The hell of a visual. Now, I don't know anything about Georgina Maloney. I don't really care about Georgina Maloney and her politics. But if she's anything close to what Mussolini was, she is in no way, shape, or form far-right. She is, in fact, far-left. Far-left is fascism. That is where fascism lives. That is where totalitarianism lives. Just think of it, that same long bench where the uh, liberal got up and ran away from the right winger and said, you're so far right wing now. And like, no, not. If you think of that bench as a uh, slide rule for pol- politics, one side is complete totalitarian control and the other side is we'll just call it anarchy an absence of laws and not anarchy doesn't mean necessarily mean it although it would probably lead to it and it has led to in the past the sort of lord of the flies situation just it just means an absence of laws and absence of government power um but if you look at that the right is for individual liberty. The left is for collectivism, are they not? Fascism 
is collectivism. Fascism is a form of socialism, just depending on how far you take it. It's communism, it's fascism, whatever. The nuanced differences are barely worthy of note. The reason that at the uh, early onset of the progressive movement, the communists, the socialists, the fascists were all fighting, it was because they wanted to be the lead dog. It wasn't because they're so wildly different than us. It was personality-driven and it was personal ambition-driven, even though all these people insisted we're not interested in such things. Those are the evils of capitalism, and we support this, that. No, they're humans. They're human nature. They're barely human, but they still have human nature. And so that's what the the wars were. That's why uh, Hitler and and, uh, Stalin were able to unite for a while, and then when it became advantageous for Hitler to attack, he did, because they're all untrustworthy. They're all about their own glory and their own power. Stalin would have eventually attacked Hitler if Hitler hadn't attacked Stalin. So the idea that fascism is somehow right-wing is insane. If you go out the right, just thinking logically, government power shrinks and individual liberty and responsibility grows to the point that you would have no government at all, which would be anarchy. You go out the left, you get larger and larger government to the point that you have absolute total control. That is where communism lives, that is where socialism lives, and that is where fascism lives. They're neighbors out there. The idea that the further you go out to the right, the smaller government gets, and then suddenly somewhere out there it just blips to huge government is insane. It's incredibly stupid. But it's the argument that leftists make because they don't want you to know the truth. They can't have you knowing the truth. The truth is not their friend. The truth is their enemy. So they come up with, well, Mussolini was a fascist. Mussolini ushered in a whole lot of socialist programs in Italy, just as Hitler, the head of the National Socialist German Workers' Party, that's what Nazis stood for, National Socialist German Workers' Party, auf Deutsch, um, instituted the same thing. They were for universal health care. They were for reigning in corporations and imposing taxes and regulations on everything and everyone and blah, 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 blah. Their policies were you to strip away all their associations with these historical despots would fit nicely in the Democratic National Committee's platform. It would really be interesting if somebody, these people, they go out to college campuses all the time. They do the man on the street things uh, with the college campuses. If they actually took Hitler's 1932 platform or Mussolini's platform and policies and went out there and asked college liberals what they thought of them or uh, where does this belong? And I guarantee you they would all come down on the side of Democrats, period, end of story. But they just have to lie. They must lie. They have to pretend that they are something else. Well, speaking of, well, let's, let's go to, we got a bunch of Rashida Tlaib things today. I'll get to the hearing clips yesterday because people, leftists, will, of course, then say, yeah, but uh, Hitler, fascists, they equate fascism with racism, with anti-Semitism. I can understand why. Realistically, though, it is division. 
Now, don't get me wrong, Nazis really hated Jews. It's because Germany was homogeneous at the time. If there were ethnic minorities, they didn't like the gypsies either, by the way. They rounded them up. But uh, and, and the ethnic minorities, to the extent that they existed, they rounded them up as well. Progressives have always wanted and hated ethnic minorities, just who they are. And they use division. Hitler chose the Jews not necessarily because he was a rabid anti-Semite, but because they needed to tap into pre-existing hatred and ramp it up to have a scapegoat on which to blame, on whom to blame all of the country's ills so that he could then present himself as the fixer of those ills. It was a case study in manipulation, mass manipulation. The media the left function relatively the same way now. So the other day at a virtual event, Rashida Tlaib dropped a bomb down there. She, now she's she's actually not using this as division. She's a genuine anti-Semite. She does not like Jews at all. Now she'll like Israel-loathing Jews. She'll like self-loathing Jews. And progressives are progressives first and anything else a distant second. So if you're progressive enough... She will forgive you being Jewish and maybe be nice to you. But it is worthy to note that this is the extent to the reporting on this that I could find on television. It was a brief note from Jake Tapper on his show about the anti-Semitism charges, not by mean old right wingers, but by her fellow Democrats toward Rashida Tlaib for her comments of you can't be progressive and support Israel, meaning destroy Israel, essentially. Also in our politics lead, Democratic Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib of Michigan facing criticism today from what several of her Jewish colleagues have deemed anti-Semitic comments. Here's what Tlaib, the first Palestinian-American woman to serve in Congress, said at a virtual event yesterday. I want you all to know that among progressives, it has become clear that you cannot claim to hold progressive values, yet back Israel's apartheid government. And we will continue to push back and not accept this idea that you are progressive, progressive, except for Palestine any longer. The CEO of the Anti-Defamation League, Jonathan Greenblatt, slammed the comments, saying that Israel does not have an apartheid government and said that she should not be imposing a, quote, litmus test in a tweet, saying, quote, Tlaib tells American Jews that they need to pass an anti-Zionist litmus test to participate in progressive space. Some of Tlaib's Jewish colleagues in Congress agreed. Florida Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz called her comments, quote, outrageous and, quote, nothing short of anti-Semitic. New York Democratic Congressman Jerry Nadler, sometimes called the dean of the informal House Jewish Caucus, tweeted, quote, I fundamentally reject the notion that one cannot support Israel's right to exist as a Jewish and democratic state and be a progressive, unquote. Have you heard about that story? Remember when uh, Ilhan Omar was going on about, oh, they're into that Jewish money and uh, her unadulterated hatred of Jews? Congress got together and passed a resolution, they were going to pass a resolution to say, we condemn Ilhan Omar's anti-Semitism. And instead, progressive members of the Progressive Caucus, Democrats, Rashida Tlaib, said, no, we won't vote for that. And it wasn't going to pass the House, that resolution slamming anti-Semitism. It wasn't going to pass the House with just Democrat votes or with enough, you know, Republicans were going to vote for it too, but they wanted enough Democrat votes that it would have passed alone uh, just with Democrats. So they pulled the resolution and changed it to make it, we condemn hate. 
we condemn hate. Oh, you just you just condemn hate. Well, congratulate you're so brave. What a what a brave stance you've taken. You condemn hate. You couldn't condemn anti Semitism, you condemned hate. That was because of Rashida Talib. That was because of Rashida Talib. And there she is again. You can't hold progressive views and support the apartheid government. The apartheid government of Israel. There is no apartheid government of Israel. If you are a um an Arab living in Israel, you are a citizen of Israel. You get to vote. You get all the rights that anybody there has. Now, if you live in the Gaza Strip or the West Bank, you are under the domain of the terrorist organization known as Hamas. And you're used as a human shield, you're used as a pawn, and you're ripped off by your government to be able to fund their lavish lifestyles and their uh, war of, of terrorism against Israel. It's not apartheid. There could be a two-state solution if Hamas would simply stop killing Israelis. They can't. They won't. But Rashida Tlaib doesn't care because, well, frankly, she supports the killing Israeli policy, it seems like. So now we get to Rashida Tlaib at a hearing. We've already established her uh, anti-Semitism bona fides. Congratulations to her. She wins the Hitlerette Award this year. We've already established that far right, well, according to the media, is not right at all. It's actually left-wing. They just... They see, they don't want every is a far right military dictator, is a far right dictator. Stalin, far right. Stalin is a, was a communist. All right, all these communists, all these fascists, all these socialist dictators were of the left. How many? You know what is it? Anita Dunn had put a, a listed Chairman Mao as her political hero. She's been a a staple of the Clinton administration. She was in the. Uh, Obama administration. It wasn't. I think she's sniffing around the Biden administration too. Chairman Mao. Oh, that right wing dictator, Chairman Mao. No, 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 no. Anita Dunn is a big fan of some right winger. No. The Obama administration hung a Christmas ornament of Chairman Mao on the official White House Christmas tree. Why? Because because they love right wingers. No, because. Chairman Mao was a fellow traveler. They can't come right out and say it. They can't rock their Che Guevara shirts because he killed black and gay people. He hated everybody. He killed black and gay people. Look it up. But as long as you don't acknowledge what he did, boy, he looks good in a beret staring off into the distance, doesn't he? Sexy as all get out. I mean, it's uh, just from the neck up that picture because from the neck down he's covered in blood of gay and black people that he'd killed because he was a racist and he hated artists and, and homosexuals. But that's beside the point. Go to a go to a pride parade and see how many Che Guevara t-shirts you see walking around there and uh, smile quietly to yourself. Laugh hysterically to yourself because that's uh, that's exactly what it is. It's like uh, it's like a black guy wearing a clan outfit and going oh, i don't get it what's everybody looking at me for like, you're wearing a che guevara shirt at a pride rally and che guevara killed black people and gay people killed every artist he get his hands on they were subverting society the ultimate goal of the left no matter what moniker they put on it is uniformity conformity and gay people are not conformity obedience as well 
and serve the state. You are owned by the state. Actually, before we get to Rashida Tlaib, just to illustrate this, AOC is in the news. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she released a video yesterday talking about the evils of capitalism and why it is capitalism is causing people to have fewer children. <laughs> I swear to And that's why we need to open up the southern border. That's why we need to grant amnesty to anybody and everybody here illegally. Screw our laws. Screw our sovereignty. We need it. In this clip, it's very short. She actually uh, not only says that's why we need immigrants, she admits that Social Security is a bit of a Ponzi scheme. That if you aren't... See, a Ponzi scheme will eventually collapse on itself unless you're constantly bringing new people in. Bernie Madoff got away with it for so long because he was bringing new people in, promising them massive returns on their investment. And so you get more money in, you can pay, you can cash out the people who you've already promised things to, and nobody says anything. Nobody goes, hey, wait a second. Why can't I get my money? Because you've got money to give them. Sooner or later, when people stop coming in, when you run out of people, millionaires and billionaires to sucker into it, uh, you run out of money to give to people, and it becomes a big, big problem. The whole thing collapses. That's what Social Security is facing. So she admits that Social Security is a Ponzi scheme, but I guarantee you if you say, hey, so Social Security is a Ponzi scheme, she'll absolutely deny it like all leftists do. But listen listen to her. Take a look at it. There are, And it's not just Japan and South Korea, but there are quite a few countries that are really struggling because young people, because under the burdens of capitalism and under living under a society that's increasingly concentrating wealth among the rich, we're not having kids and or we're not having kids at the same rate. And we actually need immigrant populations to help balance things out. We can't continue to fund Social Security, Medicare, all of this stuff without immigrants. And it's always been that way. Don't act like there's some new trend or anything like that. <laughs> we can't afford it. Why, why couldn't we be able to afford it? I thought they were self-sustaining. I thought they were on solid economic footing. I thought that there was an account somewhere with all the money I'd paid into Medicare over the years just sitting there accruing interest. That was my understanding with it. But she admits it. And now we need to open the borders, the evils of capitalism. She'll be wearing her Che Guevara shirt at some point, I'm sure she's got uh, Che Guevara under ruse. She's a big fan of Che because she's a big fan of totalitarianism. She can't go outwardly uh, saying, I support Adolf Hitler. But look at the policy proposals she's put forth and compare them to the National Socialist German Workers Party. And you will see a damn near concentric circle, won't you? That Venn diagram is almost a complete circle. Maybe is a complete circle if you really dug into it. Now we go to uh, Rashida Tlaib at this hearing yesterday. She had bank executives up there. She's uh, Boy, she's uh, just a whirling dervish of left-wing destruction, this Rashida Tlaib. Oh, but a looker, though. No, no, just kidding. Just kidding. That's mean. I'm so mean. Yeah, I don't care. Anywho... She's talking to a bunch of uh, executives, presidents of banks and what have you. And listen, first of all, I just, I want you to hear how she pronounces the word Celsius. She's very concerned about global warming, very concerned about the increasing temperature around the world. And she's reading it and she doesn't recognize that she butcher. I don't even know how she, I can't even remember how she butchers the word Celsius. She just butchers the word. It's not even, it's embarrassing. 
I'm embarrassed for her. You have all committed, as you all know, uh, to transition the emissions from lending and investment activities to align with pathways to net zero in 2050. Do you know uh, what the International Energy Energy um, Agency has said is required to meet our goal, global 2050 net zero targets of limiting global temperature rise to 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit or 1.5 degrees Celsius? So, Celsius. Oh, man, I got no Celsius service here. I've only got one bar. Celsius. <clears throat> But then she goes on to talk to these bank presidents, these CEOs of major banks across the country, and demands to know whether or not she, she's really trying to push them with this ESG thing of uh, left-wing moral, which is an oxymoron, left-wing moral investing, meaning you do not invest in companies that do things that you don't like. Pull your money. Try to ruin them. Try It's, it's not capitalism. It's what is it you call it when you've got... Uh, government and corporations working together basically at the behest of of government at the threat of government government fascism that's right the thing joe biden accuses everybody else of being and uh, jamie Dimon, the ceo of chase bank is having none of it listen to her ask jamie Dimon this question and then the second he tells her you're no this is nuts she becomes a spurned 13-year-old mean girl and uh, not a member of Congress, certainly not a respectful member of Congress, tells people that they should pull their money out of Chase Bank because the CEO pointed out that she is full of excrement. No new fossil fuel production starting today. That's, so that's like zero. So I would like to ask all of you and go down the list because, again, you all have agreed to doing this. Please answer with a simple yes or no. Does your bank have a policy against funding new oil and gas products? Mr. Diamond. Absolutely not. And that would be the road to hell for America. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Sir, you know what? Everybody that got relief from student loans has a bank account with your bank should probably take out their account and close their account. The fact that you're not even there to help relieve many of the folks that are in debt, extreme debt, because of student loan debt, and you're out there criticizing it. <laughs> there are many words I could call her, none of which are family-friendly, therefore I will not, but fill in the blank. Rashida Tlaib is, and there you go, whatever you thought of, she's, uh, you're correct. Just so nasty. Like, oh, thank you, sir. People should take their money out of your bank. They're just a meanie bumbalini, and you're just a horrible person, and why would you do that? And you're just bad. You're just bad. You're just bad. Shut up. Bow to my will, or else I will destroy you. Oh, no. You might not get that uh, that Hamas account. You might not get the, uh, the Talib money that has to be shipped overseas and uh, shipped to where? Who knows? Actually... Uh, last time I was in Detroit, we ate at our, uh, one of my favorite restaurants, Lashish. Lashish is a Lebanese restaurant. It closed down for a while. I believe it's under new ownership because the old ownership was raising money for, uh, let's just say, uh, terrorist organizations, allegedly. The husband, from what I've told, uh, fled the country, and the wife went to jail. And the restaurant closed for a while. It's reopened. Now, food is delicious. Uh, I don't believe they any longer raise money for terrorist organizations, which is good. I prefer my uh, shawarma to be terrorist-free, my fatouche to be uh, suicide bomber-free. 
But that's Rashida Tlaib for you. Then she goes on another long rant. These are supposed to be a question and answer session. She doesn't have any questions. She is browbeating. She continues to go down the line and listen to the uh, CEOs of other banks, by the way. Take and pay attention and find out what the CEO of where you bank, depending on where you bank, does in the face of left-wing pressure because your money is being used for left-wing causes, possibly. Find out and change it if it is. Ms. Frazier, how about you? Uh, we will continue to invest in uh, and support clients who are investing in fossil fuels and in, uh, in helping them transition to cleaner energies. And Mr. Uh, Monahan? We are helping our clients make a transition, and that means we're, we're lending to both oil and gas companies and to new energy companies, and helping monitor their course towards the standards you're talking about. Yeah, Mr. Sharp. Uh, excuse me, uh, the same thing as Mr. Moynihan said. Yeah, I, I'm not going to ask you, Mr. Diamond, because you obviously don't care about working class people in frontline communities like ours that are facing huge amounts of high rates of asthma, respiratory issues, and so much more. Cancer rates are so high among my communities that I represent. So I'm not going to even ask you if you're committing to ending financing of new oil and gas projects. But Ms. Frazier, Mr. Monahan, Mr. Shea, we are living through a climate crisis today. And a commitment to net zero requires a commitment to ending fossil fuel financing. It is important because I want you all to know at the end, we're going to pay the cost of the public health impact. These are people that you're supposed to be serving, the folks that you're supposed to be providing and supporting in communities. God, what a heartbeat. Cannot stand the sound of her voice. I made a mistake. Jamie Dimon is the CEO of J.P. Morgan. It used to be J.P. Morgan Chase. Now, he's just J.P. Morgan. The woman you heard there is uh, Jane Frazier. She is the CEO of Citigroup. And uh, the other one of the other guys is Bank of America. He said, no, we're going to do whatever. We're going to loan money. We're going to try and help everybody transition. We're going to do this, that, and the other thing. So it depends. Watch where you bank. They're using your money to do this. They're using your money to institute and uh, push forward with a left-wing progressive agenda to fund it. That's uh, worthy of note, I would say, and worth looking at, because I don't bank with any of them. But if I did, I wouldn't anymore. And also take a look at the name on your credit cards. You know, if you're Citigroup or Bank of America, you're funding it too, at uh, exorbitant interest rates. That is all the time we have for today, ladies and or gentlemen. It is now officially the weekend. Whatever time of day you listen to this, we're calling it the weekend. Even if you're out on the West Coast and you listen to this at like 9 o'clock at night before you go to bed, now it's probably like 10.30, but still, declaring it the weekend. Just, uh, I'm not responsible for if you get hammered and don't show up to work tomorrow. That one's on you. I appreciate you listening. I hope you'll go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. And uh, don't forget to enter the contest while you're there. Don't forget the Week in F and Review will be up at the same time this was. So you can check it out. And oh, by the way, there is, I don't know about Locals, but there is a Patreon app. And if you have your Patreon account, you download the app because some people like you listen to it at your computer. Other people, you can listen to it on your phone on the go if you're a member. You just log into your account and then it shows up as... Uh, it's like the, one of the pages you subscribe to or the page you subscribe to or whatever. And you can listen to it on the go if you want to listen to it on the go. What the hell do I know? All right. There you go. That's about as technologically advanced as I get. 
on a weekend when I'm just trying to chillax. I appreciate the hell out of you listening. Have a great one. We'll see you either tonight at midnight or Monday or both. <laughs>